Hello and welcome to this Head Talks podcast. I'm Terry Diasny and I've been talking to my guest Charlie Morley about the art and science of lucid dreaming. Sweet dreams. A lucid dream is a dream where you're actively aware of the fact you're dreaming as the dream is happening. So it's not just a really vivid dream, it's not just a dream you remember really well in the morning, specifically a dream where you're sound asleep, but within the dream you have that aha moment of, oh wow, this is all a dream. Now, most people will have experienced that maybe a few times in their life, but you get some people who are naturals, and everybody can be trained to do that. Now, why would you want to be conscious in the unconscious mind? Well, even with that term, it starts to link to aspects of hypnotherapy. And essentially, in a nutshell, anything you can treat with hypnotherapy, you can also work with through lucid dreaming, because you gain conscious access to aspects of the unconscious mind. So you can work with trauma, you can work with childhood stuff, you can work with training and confidence. Uh, Amazingly, you can work with a physical performance by practicing sports in the lucid dream, scientifically verified to increase athletic performance in the waking state. You've touched on it there, but what can accessing that part of your unconscious mind help with? What can it teach you? Well, let's look at nightmares for a start. This is something I'm really interested in because the last couple of years I've been working with veterans. If you can become lucid in a nightmare, uh, a recurring PTSD nightmare, no, you're not really back in Iraq. You are dreaming you're back in Iraq. That engages a huge deconditioning process within the mind that allows the kind of loop, the chronic loop that is a PTSD nightmare, the needle of that stuck record to be lifted and allow the trauma that's causing those recurrent nightmares to pass through the psyche. And there's been very interesting studies on this. The last one, a neurobiological study from Brazil that said that lucid dreaming was one of the most promising interventions for chronic PTSD nightmares. Um, Now people listening might say, well, I don't have nightmares. Okay, do we have troubling dreams? Do we have anxiety dreams? Do we have aspects of our life where we would like to be able to implant suggestions of healing intent or increase confidence? If there is, then lucid dreaming is there. And for anyone who thinks, no, not even that, okay, it's just really, really fun. I mean, it makes going to bed fun. That experience when you first go, wow, I'm in a dream. My body is asleep in bed, but right now I'm in a huge three-dimensional projection, virtual reality simulation of my own psychology. I mean, that is just so cool. So apart from anything else, it's really fun, but also it has these amazing healing benefits. It does sound fascinating. What first made you aware that this was something that you could do? And what made you interested in understanding more about lucid dreaming? I used to actually wet the bed until really late, till I was about six or seven years old. And I remember clearly having these dreams where I'd be in the dream and I'd really need to pee. And the needing to pee would kind of wake me up in the dream. I'd become conscious. And then I'd go, oh, well, I should wake up. But if I wake up, the sharks under the bed will get me. So I'll stay in the dream and pee. And I used to find a toilet in the dream and pee. And of course, anyone listening, that's a trap. Never do that. And I'd wet the bed and wake up. Um, Then I kind of forgot all about it. But then for my 12th birthday... Uh, My dad confirmed this recently. I asked for something called a Nova Dreamer, which is this like electronic sleep mask that has sensors that detect rapid eye movement. And then when they do, they flash red lights, uh, bright enough to penetrate your eyelids, but not bright enough to wake you up. Uh, You spend like two weeks dreaming of red traffic lights until eventually you go, oh, the red traffic lights, that must be the lights coming into my dream. and, And you become conscious in the dream. Now, I never got that mask actually so I went back to being a 12 year old whatever but then when I was about 15 16 then just an interest in psychedelics and the mind and how things work brought me back to this early fascination with lucid dreaming and I bought the books and stuff taught myself how to do it but this was way before I got into Buddhism or anything like that so I was just using it for sex and skateboarding you know 16 year old gains access to this virtual reality simulation what are you going to do be really good at skateboarding and try and have sex with lots of girls so I had no idea it was this spiritual practice and had a long history in in Um, psychological intervention and stuff no idea 
So tell me more about the history. As you say, in other cultures, uh, there is this tradition of being able to access the, that part of the mind. What have you learned since, since you moved on to yeah. a more sophisticated view of it? So the three main traditions that have lucid dreaming as a part of them are Tibetan Buddhism, which is a tradition that I know something of, and I lived in a Buddhist center for almost eight years, actually. The other one is uh, the Mexican Toltec shamanic tradition. Um, and the other one is Sufism, actually. They have a strong lucid dream tradition, too. So this is something you seem to find cross-culturally, but within Sufism, Tibetan Buddhism, and, and Toltec, Mexica shamanism, that's where you find the most practices. Um, in the Tibetan Buddhist tradition, it's been used for over a thousand years for three main reasons. The first one is actually to train for the moment of death. And now this sounds crazy, but it's believed that um, before you are reborn into your next incarnation, but after you have the, the mind stream has separated from the physical body at the point of death, within the Vajrayana Buddhist belief system, it said you enter a place called the Bardo, which is said to be a dreamlike hallucinatory experience of the mind stream flipping inwardly and experiencing the totality of its own projection. Sounds kind of wild, right? But essentially, when you die, you enter this kind of dreamlike illusion place. And that's the place where you would have the life flashing before your eyes, the tunnel of light, all that kind of stuff is the mind creating this projection. Now, it said if you can train yourself to fall asleep consciously and to recognize your dreams as dreams, then at the point of death, you might be able to die consciously. And when those hallucinations appear at death, go, ah, these are the hallucinations of death. I'm dying. You know, rather than, aha, I'm dreaming, you go, aha, I'm dying, uh, or I'm dead. Uh, why would you want to do that? It's said to be the highest achievement of the yogi is to recognize death consciously. Because if one were to recognize death consciously, you could at least guide your rebirth. Uh, and at most, you could reach full spiritual enlightenment at the point of death. Now, of course, I have no idea whether that's true. I haven't, don't remember dying. So the other reasons are spiritual practice in your sleep. I mean, that's one for everyone. If you look at the brain waves of someone in lucid dream, you know, lucid dreaming isn't synonymous to, to meditation at nighttime. It is meditation in the nighttime. Brain waves move into exactly the same state. In fact, high rates of gamma, which have been linked to these very high 10,000 hours or more states of meditation. Um, so being in a lucid dream, whether you're just flying about or whether you're actually doing your meditation in the lucid dream, is said to be linked to these uh, kind of higher spiritual practices. So training for death, spiritual practice when you sleep. And the third one is very interesting. This one's for everyone, is awareness of how mind creates reality. Because I've had lucid dreams that are as real as this. And you know your body's asleep in bed, but you know the person you're speaking to is a projection of your mind and you can knock on the table. And it's hard and it makes that noise. You think, this is nuts. I know this is a mental construct. I know this is all a hallucination, but it feels so real. And then when you wake up in, you know, for real into a conscious waking state and you then knock on a table, you think, wow, all these things about simulation theory, all these things about the mystical stuff, about the world being a collective projection of the mind, they all seem a little bit more understandable. And that's a big wow moment, but the littler wow moments are when you're next projecting your stuff onto another. I mean, in a romantic relationship, when I'm projecting my bullshit onto my wife, Every lucid dream I've had has brought me into a habit of recognizing illusion, recognizing projection. And if you can recognize your projections in the waking state, you become a much kinder person, much less likely to project your stuff onto others, much more likely to be able to recognize the projections of others. That's really good for life. That's not mystical. That's something that everyone can appreciate. Lucid living. Some people might be quite doubtful about this. They just think dreams are something that happen to you. They're not something that you can control. How can you go about changing that if that's your initial approach if you want to try and become more conscious 
first thing is I'd say just Google the science. You know, we've had the science on this since 1975, Hull University, Keith Hearn first proved it. Then 1983, Stanford University, Stephen LaBerge. But more recently, from 2010 onwards, we've had this huge kind of renaissance in uh, lucid dreaming research. Amazing stuff at Heidelberg University where they trained 100 German athletes to lucid dream, whittled them down to a group of 30, got them to do their athletic practice in their dreams. They got better in the waking state. I mean, the science is there. I was part of a martial arts study where 80.3% of the martial artists in the study, there are at 35 of us, reported waking state performance increases by training their martial arts in the lucid dream. I actually wasn't one of them. I didn't actually get any better, unfortunately. So the science is there. So no, this is real. This is not anecdotal. It's not subjective. The part of the brain that activates when you're lucid is the right dorsolateral prefrontal cortex, which is the part of the brain the neuroscientists believe is associated with self-conscious awareness. So it makes sense, right? That's the part of the brain that reactivates. So first of all, the science is real. Know that and allow that to give you the confidence to move into a state where you realize it's a hybrid state of consciousness. It's not a paradox. We can be both conscious and asleep at the same time because consciousness is not predicated on having your eyes open. You know, that's a fallacy. Consciousness is predicated upon act. Well, <laughs> the neuroscientists would say consciousness is predicated but on upon activation of certain brain regions i would say i totally disagree and if those brain regions are activated while your eyes are closed or while you're dreaming you will experience consciousness regardless of the macro state which is dreaming so this stuff exists and once you start to look at the science that gives you confidence to then go well maybe i can teach myself to do it and then you've already done it the harvard study that was a peer-reviewed one they found that most children report lucid dreams as part of their neurological development so most people have lucidly dreamt they just don't remember it and is this something that everybody can do or is it a talent or a, an ability that some people have and other people don't once you get over 75 once you're approaching 80 it becomes more difficult simply because neuroplasticity becomes a little bit more difficult at that stage so learning anything is more difficult up to that no anyone can learn this stuff teenagers will find it easiest you have the longest REM periods in your teens other than babies maybe maybe babies you don't we don't know so anyone can learn to do it there are some naturals like my wife was a natural which of course is incredibly embarrassing when I'm sleeping next to her every night and she's getting lucid you know four times a week and I'm struggling you know to get lucid a couple of times but this is a learnable skill I'm not a natural lucid dreamer if I do not do these practices and there are direct practices meditation to do before bed waking up at certain times in the night using things like REM rebound certain reality checks in the day awareness practices uh, anyone can do it and I'm testament to that because I'm not a natural lucid dreamer so if somebody wanted to start to learn how to do it, what do you do? Are there any simple techniques that you can teach people? Yeah, in a short interview like this, I always go to the three Ds. First one, dream recall. Unless you regularly remember your dreams, you are very unlikely to have lucid dreams. And I know that triggers some people. Oh, I thought I could be lucid dreaming every night and I don't remember. Again, this is a brain thing. Once the prefrontal cortex is activated, your memory of that experience will be pretty much like waking memory. So you'll probably remember if you've been having lucid dreams people listening saying but I don't dream everybody dreams no way to stop the human brain dreaming because it's linked to our evolutionary biology apparently our survival mechanisms so everyone dreams eight hour sleep cycle five times a night but we don't remember them why because we don't try when did we last actually try and remember what we're dreaming about so tonight it's simple as you sit on bed before you go to sleep say yourself oh, I've, I've listened to this interview I want to check if this guy's chatting rubbish or not tonight I'm going to remember my dreams it means something to me I'm going to pay homage to them it's important to me to know I will remember very high hit rate on that but if you want to take it a step further as you're falling asleep tonight you'll pass through a stage called the hypnagogic state which is that kind of drowsy transitional state as you're falling asleep that's a natural state of hypnosis you look at the brain waves there that's deep alpha and theta those are the hypnotic brain waves so you can 
implant a hypnotic suggestion to remember your dreams. So as you're falling asleep tonight, be saying over and over again, tonight I remember my dreams, I have excellent dream recall, over and over again for a few minutes as you fall asleep. Next thing, the next D is dream diaries. Write down your dreams in some way, not because we're going to interpret them, that's a different cup of tea, but because we're going to write them down to solidify the memory. Like we're training for an exam or we're training for anything, you write down notes, it helps you remember, right? And that leads to the third D, the reason we keep the dream diary is to spot patterns. So we set our intention to remember our dreams and we write down our dreams. And then once we've written them down, we can see patterns emerging after a week or so. Oh, look, I had two dreams of my dead grandmother last week. Or oh, I always have that dream where I'm back at the house where I grew up in. These are patterns. You can start to see, well, if that only happens in a dream, then the next time it happens, I'll know that I'm dreaming. So before bed, you can say, if I see my dead grandmother between now and breakfast, I am absolutely dreaming. There's no other explanation for it. Or if I'm back in my childhood home before breakfast, I must be dreaming. So you set these triggers in the same way as you would say, the next time I see a bank, I must remember to get up some money because I owe my mate a tenner or whatever it is. We use that brain network a lot, so it's pretty muscular. So you fall asleep implanting those triggers based on the patterns you found from the dream diary that you've started because of your dream recall. So those are the three Ds. And then, I mean, there are dozens of other techniques, but those will help people get started. And as you say, some people might find this a bit frightening. You say that you've worked with people who have PTSD, mm. who have nightmares. Is there a danger that this process can kind of unlock things that the mind has locked away for mm. a good reason? Very good question. It's actually more difficult to be re-traumatized in a dream than it is in everyday waking state in talking therapy because of what the dream is. Dreams have developed for two main reasons, neurobiologically. One is reconsolidation of memory, and the other is processing of trauma. Because the dream state itself has developed to be a place to integrate memory and also integrate traumatic memories, you know, if we can dream about lions, tigers, and bears back in the day, we were less likely to be eaten by them the next day because we had rehearsed our survival mechanisms, running, fighting, climbing up a tree. So, in fact, nightmares themselves serve a very strong biological purpose. So in a lucid dream where we're trying to wake up within the nightmare in this case, actually you're very unlikely to be re-traumatized. And if you're in the lucid dream and you try and approach a memory that is too traumatic, you get a very interesting phenomenon called dream blocking, where just nothing will appear. There's a, a case study in my latest book, woman who wanted to meet her seven-year-old self, because that was when she experienced some abuse. She became lucid and she called out, seven-year-old self now, seven-year-old self now, nothing. Called out again, a second time, nothing. Third time when she called it out, seven-year-old self now, some sort of consciousness in the dream was like, look, you, you are not gonna meet your seven-year-old self. That is gonna re-traumatize you, that is just too much. But what the dream did is it, it made a door appear just out of thin air in the, in, the, in the dream, the door appeared. And on the door was a sign that clearly said caution. And the, you know, the symbolism of that. And what part of the mind was making that conscious decision? And in the dream, full conscious access, she had the moment to think, oh, what would Charlie say to do? And I was like, Charlie say, well, go through the door if you can. And she did, and she opened the door, and there was a symbolic representation of the abuse. Not the seven-year-old self, but it was actually a room full of vomit, which she knew definitely represented a certain thing to do with eating that she was forced to do and stuff like that. So she walked into this room full of vomit and then just called out these kind of affirmations of love, saying, you know, I set you free. It wasn't your fault. I love you. And she had a huge emotional release, started crying in the dream, woke up with the tears. And the next day, to witness her sharing that and the change in her was amazing. And just... Well, coming up to two years ago now, I, I got back in contact with her to ask if I could use her as a case study in a new book. And she said, yes, absolutely. But I want you to let people know that dream wasn't the end of the healing. That dream actually started it. She said, after the power of that lucid dream, 
she started to go into therapy. She started to speak to the family members involved. And last time I spoke to her, which is around this time, two years ago, she was about to have Christmas for the first time around some of those family members after the, the kind of work and counseling they'd done together. The lucid dream wasn't a silver bullet, it didn't cure her childhood trauma, but it opened her up to the possibility that it could be cured. And I think that's important to know. And for yourself, what benefits do you think you've found through exploring lucid dreaming? I mean, the first one w- was nightmares. That's why I'm really, why I, I, I have a personal kind of passion for helping people with nightmares. When I was 17, I had like a drugs overdose and I got these really terrible panic attacks. And then what I now realize is classic PTSD nightmares afterwards, four months afterwards, kind of every week, the same nightmare. And I managed to use lucid dreaming. At that time, I was just using it for the second skateboarding stuff. But I managed to... Um, wake up in that dream, become conscious, and turn and face this thing, which was this representation of death that just always arrived as if I, I had died at that moment. And I turned to face it, and I know now in my TED talk, I talk about hugging it and embracing it, showing it love, I did, and I went, I, I see you, I fucking see you. But that was enough there, I see you, I know what you are, you are my mind, you cannot hurt me. I am safe in my bed right now. And the dream just dissolved into this kind of scene of paradise and never came back. And it was at that moment I realized Wow, it's like four months of nightmares just ended in one lucid dream. And that's when I started to explore how it could be used in therapy. And that's what led me into Buddhism and the therapeutic uses of it. Um, So I've used it for nightmares. I've used it for um, some interesting healing stuff. I mean, there's something I've talked about before, which is my eyes. I mean, whether this is just total placebo or not, I don't know. I'm totally conflicted by the scientific view of it and the spiritual view on it but I used to wear glasses and I went to my lucid dream and three three lucid dreams over I did this kind of hands-on healing was calling out affirmation that my eyes are healed and stuff and they started to get better now the rationalist in me go oh just a placebo effect just a placebo effect yeah it is but it's the placebo effect max I mean if you if the placebo effect is the mind affecting the body if you engage the placebo effect within a three-dimensional projection of the mind then yeah maybe it, like it's the placebo effect max maybe it's just because i believe in lucid dreaming so much it had an effect i don't know but it seemed to have an effect so lucid dream healing is a very interesting aspect i mean the psychological healing stuff we got the science on we can talk very clearly about that the physical healing now nah, there's no science on this purely anecdotal but there are some very interesting anecdotes out there and it, if it is just the placebo effect, okay, but let's look at the effect that that can have in the lucid dreams. That opens up a very interesting avenue of, of, I hope, future research. And I just applied for funding, actually, we didn't get to explore whether lucid dreaming could change gene expression, which if we had got that funding and if we could prove it would be a big game changer. Based on some research they did of people in hypnosis, they got into fast. When the body goes into fast mode, apparently there's a certain gene expression becomes engaged. So you can see, oh, the body's in fasting. Then in a state of hypnosis, these people were told to imagine they were eating. And eating in the hypnotic trance state was so kind of realistic, it actually changed that gene expression. Now, the researcher who found this at the um, Institute of Noetic Sciences in America said, well, if lucid dreaming is like a maximized version of hypnosis, surely if we could get people in the lucid dream after a 12-hour fast to become lucid and eat, do you think we could change the gene expression in the waking state uh, using a spit test and a blood test? Uh, And we believe we can. Uh, but this initial round of funding was rejected, but we will go back again, because I think if we can prove that, a lot of the other more mystical stuff would just make more sense. Like when they proved the, the sports stuff, they were like, oh, people are increasing their sporting performance through lucid dreaming. That's amazing research, because then we can go, okay, well, maybe we can increase our compassion, maybe we can increase our kindness, increase our awareness of others through lucid dreaming, because if we can get better at squats, we could get better at other stuff too. So I think sometimes a very hard materialistic science is really good to prove in lucid dreaming because it helps open us up to the more spiritual aspects too. 
Charlie Morley, thank you very much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure.